if you have your Bibles today, why don't you turn to the book of Romans chapter 6. The book of Romans chapter 6 and yesterday we dealt with Romans chapter 5 and those of you that might have been here last camp meeting, we dealt with Romans chapter 6 but I just felt the Lord wanted me to go through it again and and, uh, it won't be exactly the same teaching, it will be somewhat different. I've learned over the years and I see, I know several ministers here today, and you know this as well, God can put the same passage on your heart, but when you deliver it, 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 it can come out different. Why? Because the Word of God is unlimited. Amen? It's a well that never runs dry. Praise the Lord. So I felt the Lord wanted me to go back to this passage, Romans chapter 6. And today we're going to begin with verse 1, but before I read it, I see, I see in the back over here my wonderful, beautiful wife, Sharon, and, and uh, many of you know her. Honey, if you just raise your hand there, and <laughs> praise the Lord. And uh, when I was single, and I'll never forget my single days, but when I was single, uh, I said, Lord, I need a wife that, need, that, that understands the ministry. Because God, you've called me to ministry, and I, I can't have a wife that doesn't understand the ministry. And uh, I said, Lord, I need a wife that's pretty. Amen. And the Lord gave me both. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then there's my son Samuel back there. Many of you have seen him singing. He's, he's 12 years old. And then there's... Daddy's girl back there, Sydney, she's 10 years old, and uh, I thank the Lord for a wonderful family. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 6 and beginning with verse 1, and I'll just read verses 1 and 2 as a way of introduction, and Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? And this morning we're going to deal with the first several verses and we'll try to get to verse 6 if we can, but as long as, as far as we can get it here in the 6th chapter of Romans. But we're going to deal with this passage of Romans chapter 6, the first several verses. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you, Lord, always for the opportunity to be able to study your word and to learn from you. Lord, you said that we are to sit at your feet and to learn of you, that that is the greatest part of our life, to be able to learn from you. And we pray, Lord, for revelation knowledge to come forth by the working and by the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Quicken your word to us, and Lord, anoint me to minister today. And we say it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. In yesterday's teaching, again, we dealt with the much mores of Romans chapter 5. And the last one in verse 20 is where Paul, Romans 5, 20, you can look back at it for a moment. Paul said, more the law, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, oh, I love that statement, grace much more abounded. Oh, I'm thankful that the grace of God, that which Christ has provided for us at the cross and through the cross is much more than our sinfulness. 
His gift and the, and the price that he paid is much more than our debt because of sin. And so where sin and the sin nature that within us and where our sinfulness had an overflow in the law, and again, as Paul said in verse 20, he said God gave the law to let that and to show us the, the overflow of our own sinfulness. But he gave us the cross, he gave us his son Jesus at Calvary and the death of his son Jesus at Calvary to really show how much of an overflow his love is for us. That his grace overflows our overflow. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. That his power to live a sanctifying life is much greater than the sin nature that resides in us. Come on now. That his grace, that unearned, undeserved, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit on the inside, again, that comes through faith in what he did for us at Calvary, that that unearned, undeserved work of the Holy Spirit is greater, it is much more than our sin nature and even our own stinking rotten flesh. <laughs> Thank God for that. Because I got some stinking rotten flesh. Do you? Do you? <laughs> Just being facetious. But it's much more. Now, as Paul begins here in Romans chapter 6, he would ask the question, and he asks this question because he realized that there would be some and that there was some in the Roman church and all those really in the early church that there would be some who would misunderstand what he was teaching on the grace of God. They would misunderstand it either intentionally or unintentionally. They would misunderstand it and use grace as an excuse to sin. They would use that overflow of grace as a license to sin and a sinful lifestyle. You, get, you follow him this morning? That there would be some who would use that statement that Paul made where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And so, I mean, if grace abounds over my sinfulness, then, then, then why not just sin? <laughs> Why not? If I'm justified by faith and not by what I do, if I'm declared righteous in the eyes of God 100% and that's my position in Christ, I'm justified, then why not just whoop, do whatever I want to? I'm justified. Because Paul said where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And Paul again realized that there would be some in his day that would abuse that great truth of the overflow and the abounding of God's grace over our sinfulness. And there would be some who would abuse the message, the great message of justification by faith. And they would use it as a license to sin. And so Paul asked that question, what shall we say then? in regards to that overflow of the grace of God. What shall we say then to that great message of justification by faith? 
Shall we sin that grace may abound? And Paul would say, God forbid. We're away with that thought. But I want to deal for a moment with, that, with, the, with the reality of believers abusing the grace of God. I just want to deal with it for a moment before we move on. But that, again, that was a problem in Paul's day. Again, some misunderstanding either intentionally or unintentionally the grace of God and using it as a license to sin. And, but you know what? The same problem really happens today. And do you realize this, that if you and I, and I know there's some ministers in the house, and, but if you and I, as a, especially as a minister, that are presenting the grace of God, that are presenting the great message of justification and sanctification by faith, do you realize if we present it as radically as the Apostle Paul did, that there will always be those who take it and use it as a license for sin. Come on now, I said if we preach it as radically as Paul did, that there will always be some. And I know as a minister, and I know believers in general that know the message of the cross, sometimes we can have a tendency to pull back on the grace of God, maybe pull back on on the goodness of God that God gave us at the cross, maybe pull back a little bit in, in, in talking about the love of God because we don't want to get, we don't want God's people thinking it's too good. We don't, we don't want God's people thinking it's too good that they can just go off and do whatever they want to. But that's really not right thinking. The cross is too good. Hallelujah. The grace of God is too good for us. It is better and more wonderful than you and I could ever imagine. But there are those today who will take the message of the cross and the message of grace and justification by faith and use it as a license to sin. And you know what? That is, a, that is something that, is, that every single one of us can be prone to and are prone to. To take the grace of God and justification and just view it and really use it to live a complacent life. Let me say it this way. You know, several years ago, it was about the year, I think it was uh, 2001, something like that, 2001, 2002. Uh, I was teaching in the Bible college and the Lord opened up the door for me here at the ministry to teach the Bible college since 97. And about the year 2000. One, I was teaching in the Bible college, and actually I was teaching a class at that time on Romans 6, 7, and 8, among the other classes I was teaching. And I just went through one of those dry seasons. You ever been there before? You, I know every one of us. We, I was going through one of those dry seasons, and, and I was just thinking to the Lord, and this went on for quite some time, and just dry in my spirit, and I, and I was just talking to the Lord in my own spirit, I thought, Lord, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand this. Man, I'm teaching on the cross. I'm a preacher of the cross. And I'm actually teaching Romans 6, 7, and 8 in the Bible college. And here I am, I'm feeling myself dry. Like a spiritual raisin. 
doesn't make sense. And one day in talking to the Lord and just, well, just really it was in my own spirit crying out to God, the Lord spoke to me something that really changed, it really affected my life. It changed my life from that point on and my own relationship with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you are using my grace as an excuse not to seek my face. You are using my grace as an excuse not to seek my face. Now for me personally, what I, what, that's really what I was doing. Of course, the Lord was right. And what I found myself doing is really through, really it was through my lack of faith in the cross, in the grace of God. I was pulling back in regards to my prayer life. I was pulling back in regards to me participating in that living relationship with God. And I was pulling back. And God was telling me, don't pull back because of my grace. Don't pull back just because you're justified, but instead of using it as an excuse not to push into God in prayer, Use it as the power to push into God in prayer. Use it as the gas in your engine because that's what the grace of God is. It's like the gas in our spiritual engine. Hallelujah. Now that we understand the cross or now that you understand the grace of God and how the grace of God works, it shouldn't pull you back or draw you away from that prayer life. It should draw us to the Lord. Hallelujah. It should draw us to him. Glory to God. We ought to be the most prayingest people on the face of the earth because we know in whom we have believed. Hallelujah. And I am persuaded that he is able to perform that which he's started in us. Mm. Glory to God. You know, in these last days, I, and again, Paul doesn't really mention prayer in this passage, but I'm just dealing with it for a moment. But in these last days, we need to be people who are seeking the face of God. And we need to get beyond being reluctant in prayer because we don't want to go back into law. I said we, maybe, we, we need to maybe grow up spiritually a little and don't be reluctant in regards to prayer because well i don't want to go back into law no 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 go go to god go to the lord in prayer seek his face and paul would make that statement here what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound he said god forbid and those words god forbid it means away with that thought Away with that thought. That's wrong thinking. And going back just to verse 1 for a moment, when Paul said, shall we continue in sin? He would, that word sin there has the definite article in front of it, and it really is referring to the sin nature that's within us that we'll deal with in a little bit this morning. That sin nature that's within us, and it really could be translated, shall we continue allowing the sin nature to rule in our life that his grace may abound. Shall we continue again allowing the sin nature 
to rule in our life in order that God's grace may abound. And he gets, he, again, he says, God forbid, away with that thought, that's wrong thinking. And he says, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? I want to deal with the sin nature for a moment because in this sixth chapter of Romans, and it's not where Paul begins to deal with sin nature, but to where he very much emphasizes the sin nature that is within us. But this may be a shock to some of you. It may not, maybe to most of you here. But we as a child of God, as a saved, born again, and if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, a tongue-talking child of God, you and I still have a sin nature. Now, now I know that may be news to some. It may not to others. But we have a sin nature on the inside. I know growing up in the church, and I was raised in, in, in uh, Baptist, somewhat conservative, independent Baptist up in New York, and, uh, and, and then I was, our, our family was Baptist that became Pentecostal, and I'm, I'm, we went to seem every, every different kind of church you can imagine, <laughs> Assembly of God, church of, church of God in Christ. We went to Southern Baptist up in New York, which sounds different Southern Baptist up in New York, but we went there, we went to Independent Baptist, Independent Pentecostal, we were all over the place. But so I saw a lot of different things, but growing up and seeing a lot of different things in the church, one of the things that seemed to be consistent, at least in my upbringing, at least those that influenced me, was they didn't believe that you and I as a child of God had a sin nature anymore. Not meaning that we were perfect, but that's the sin nature was what you had before you were saved. But now that you're saved, you don't have a sin nature anymore. You got Christ in you. That's was the thinking. But in reality, that's really not correct biblical thinking. Because as Paul explains right here in Romans chapter 6, for an example, he lets the believer know that we do have in us the sin get that this morning the sin in Romans chapter 6 for an example the word sin is used 17 times now 16 of those times it has the uh, it's referring to the sin nature and it has the definite article in front of it in the Greek the definite article is the word the we don't uh, that's just English but the word the in front of the word sin the sin 16 of those times, it's a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. I don't want you to get lost in the technicalities of it, but it's a noun, a person, place, or thing. Not a verb. A verb is an action word. It's only one time in Romans chapter 6, the word sin is a verb, which speaks of acts of sin. Every other time, it's referring to the principle of sin, the sin, what we refer to as the sin nature that resides on the inside. Now, if you and I, as a child of God, don't have the sin, and you can call it the sin nature, you can call it the principle of sin that resides within us, whatever you want to call it, but the, the, the sin, 
If we didn't have the sin nature that resided in us as a child of God, then what was Paul talking about? For example, skip down to verse 12 for a moment. He says, let not, and it's literally, let not the sin, again, nature, therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust thereof. Paul was speaking to believers and he said, you as a child of God, as believers, you don't, don't let the sin the sin nature reign in you. Now, if we as a child of God didn't have a sin nature, then, then what was Paul talking about? Of course, he was talking about us having a sin nature on the inside. Now, that sin nature that you and I have on the inside, that doesn't mean, of course, that we're not saved. We are saved. That doesn't mean that we don't love God. We do. Does anybody this morning love the Lord? Of course, we love the Lord. Hallelujah. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Many have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so it doesn't take away from that at all. It just speaks of the reality of what, what our condition is on this side of glory. That we have not yet been resurrected yet, but we are still in this body of flesh. And because of the fall of man, because of Adam's sin and Adam and sin really spreading to all men through Adam and through all people through Adam, we have this sin nature on the inside. And that sin nature can be described in many different ways. It can be described as the inner bent to disobey the Lord. Sin really is disobedience against God. Simple definition, disobedience against God, sin. Now through Adam's fall, get this, we have the nature to disobey God. It's not a side dish in our life. It's the main course in our life. Can I put it that way? It's not a side thing like, well, every once in a while, I have a tendency to disobey God. No, because of the sin nature that resides in us, we have a nature, the character within us that disobeys the Lord. That nature. And, and sometimes we use a little, the little illustration of, of describing the reality of the sin nature, that if you put little two little infants in a playpen, but one rubber ducky, right? What's gonna happen? <laughs> They're gonna be fighting and screaming over that rubber ducky. That's my rubber ducky. They're not saying that, they're just crying. That's what they're thinking. Don't take my rubber ducky, that's mine. Well, where'd that come from? the sin nature that resides in us that our wonderful forefather, Adam, gave to us through his fall. And so you and I as a child of God, in reality, we have a threefold nature. I want to deal with that for a moment. A threefold nature as a child of God. We have what is referred to as a human nature, 
And when I say a threefold nature, when I say those words, I, I often think of, you know, that it sounds schizophrenic. But we're not schizophrenic. Of course not. I have a threefold nature. Well, who is it that's talking right now? I no, I just. <laughs> Sometimes it can feel like that, right? The threefold nature simply means this, that you and I as a child of God, we have a human nature. God, gave, God created Adam and Eve with that human nature. It includes our own personality, our likes, our dislikes. It includes our conscience. Again, it includes our own, it, our own unique personality that God gave us. Every one of us have been created in the image of God. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that human nature. Again, it includes our spirit, our soul, and our body. Again, that's made in the image of God. And God made Adam's human nature, actually made it perfect, without any sin at all. Made it pure. There was nothing wrong with Adam. He was pure. He was innocent, him and Eve. But when sin came in, when Adam and Eve fell, and specifically when Adam fell, because it was through Adam that the seed spread to the rest of mankind, not Eve. But when Adam sinned, what happened is that the sin nature came into mankind. Can you go on to, for a moment back to Romans 5 and look at verse 12? Romans 5, 12. Paul says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And the word sin there has the different article in front of it. So by, by one man, that's Adam, the sin nature entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And what Paul describes in that one verse is through Adam's fall, the sin nature entered into the world, primarily mankind. You and I entered into the human race. It entered. And the idea of the word entered is that it was like it was injected into mankind so that it became a part of who we are, a part of our being. Now get this, talking about the sin nature you know what it does? It really, it, it makes the cross even that more wonderful. Because when we realize the sin nature that's within us, we realize how messed up we are. Oh, we realize what we received through the fall of man, that we again have a sin nature, a nature that disobeys God. But God is so wonderful. So awesome, so loving towards us that he gave his own son to counteract that sin nature. Mm. But it is so important that we understand this thing that we have on the inside, this sin nature, that nature to disobey God. I know the students, and they are familiar with me saying this, the students at the Bible college, and some of you might have heard me use this illustration, but it's like what man became at the fall was a scrambled egg. You have a whole egg, and then you've got this other egg that is yuck. 
moldy, it's putrid, it's just the most disgusting thing. It's been left out in the open and rot. It's just full of rot. The smell of it, oh, the smell of it is just raunchy. It's terrible. Ugh. That wicked egg, that's the sin nature. What happened in the fall, I know you're, some of you are smelling that, oh my Lord. <laughs> oh, that's not what I wanted to smell in the morning. <laughs> We're just a raw, just rotten egg. And what happened at the fall is that that rotten, wicked egg was scrambled with uh, the pure human nature of man, that which was pure. And it became scrambled so that they became so intertwined that you can't separate them. You get that? It became just like in the natural. Once you crack two eggs, you scramble them. You cannot in the natural unscramble scrambled eggs, right? It's just physically impossible. Well, mom, I didn't want scrambled eggs. I'm sorry, it's too late. And that's what happened to mankind. The sin nature became scrambled with our human nature, our, again, our, even our own will, our, our likes, our dislikes, even our own personality, our conscience, and it infected everything about it. That's what we are without Jesus. We have a human nature, and the sin nature reigns over our human nature. Now get this, as a child of God, you and I have one more nature. And that nature is the divine nature. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's the divine nature. We see that in, in, in Peter, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Why don't you just turn there for a moment if you would please. So, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. And Peter mentions this wonderful, sin na- this one, wonderful, wonderful divine nature. 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, and Peter says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter says there we have been made partakers. That means God has shared with us his divine nature. What does that mean? That means he's given us his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He has given us his Holy Spirit. That's God's Spirit you have on the inside. When you and I accepted Jesus, whatever point that was in your life, you received at that moment God's Spirit came into you and you became the house of the Lord. You became the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, not made of bricks and wood and stone, but made of just flesh and blood. You became the temple of the Holy Spirit. You received that divine nature, which is really the divine nature, really you could say, includes Christ. It's Christ, it's God the Father living in us by the Holy Spirit. We get, you got the whole Trinity on the inside. 
the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost by his Holy Spirit. You've got God on the inside, and that doesn't make you God, but it does make you his child. Mm, mm. Take that devil, hallelujah. I'm a child of God, glory to God. Now, I know sometimes we say that we shouldn't walk around, you know, with our, with our shoulder like, walking like we're a king's kid, but you know, the re- and, and there is definitely sometimes in the church, if not many times, there can be a misrepresentation of being a kid's, a king's kid. That we're just, over, just cocky in our own self. Mm-mm. The reality of it is this, is that you and I in Christ can be fully confident that we are a child of God. And we can square our shoulders in the confidence and the assurance and the strength of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we are to live as a child of God. We have his nature, his Holy Spirit on the inside. And his divine nature is much more than the power of our sin nature. Hey, hallelujah. That was the emphasis in Romans chapter 5. What we have received in Christ is much more than what we received through Adam. His divine nature, his, the power of the Holy Spirit that is given to us through faith in what Christ did for us at Calvary is much more than that sin nature, the power of the sin nature, even the effects of the sin nature. The every, everything, that just, it's much more than all that that's within us. Again, that's why I said earlier, when you understand the sin nature, it just, magnif- it just makes the cross even that much more wonderful. Because what we have received through Calvary is so much greater than what we received through Adam. Mm. Oh, I love that. And you and I need to get that in our spirit. We can live that way every single day. Jesus, what I have in you is so much better than what I had in the devil. Jesus, what I have in you is so much more than what I can have in my own self. That every single day we're really, it's, we're in a sense, we're in the valley of decision. It's either God's way or it's my way. And God, your way is so much better. Hallelujah. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's very, very difficult to follow Jesus. But your way is so much better because what you have provided for me is so much more than what I have in my own strength. Mm. And Lord, I just believe it. Lord, I just believe it. Mm. That's where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe that? Or do you not? And I'm telling you, to believe it is a whole lot better than not believing it. And so Paul, in this passage, of going back to Romans chapter 6 now, again, he tells us, emphatically so, by his emphasis upon that word sin, that we as a child of God still have a sin nature. Now, why, 
Why did God leave the sin nature, and why does he leave the sin nature in us? Well, it's because we haven't been resurrected yet. And you know what that does? The presence of the sin nature and even the effects of the sin nature within us, you know what that does? It just makes us long for heaven that much more. It makes us long for Jesus that much more. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I know the older I get, and I'm still young, but the older I get, the more I want to be in heaven, the more I want to be with Jesus. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of my own stinking rotten flesh. And I know there's a great work for us to do here, but I'm like Paul. I'm in a, I'm in a, a straight between two. I want to be with the Lord, but I know there's a work here on earth to do. But it makes us long for heaven that much more. Well, that's where we are really citizens. We're not citizens of this earth. We're just pilgrims passing through. Hallelujah. So why did God leave it there? Well, he left it there because, again, we haven't been resurrected yet. And another reason why he left the sin nature within us is it really puts us as a child of God in a place of humility and dependence. Do you follow that this morning? In other words... If you and I don't live by faith, if you and I don't keep on living by faith, the same faith that we had when we first got saved, the same object of faith as we had when we first got saved, but we don't keep on living by that same faith, you and I are a mess. And you and I will find ourselves in a mess, even living by faith. The The more you and I live by faith, I think, you and I will realize more and more, you know what, without Jesus, I'm a mess. And so, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I come before you. I live before you. I, can't, I, don't have, I have nothing in myself. I need you. I need you. I need you. So the presence of the sin nature really puts us in a place where we constantly need the help of the Holy Spirit. We constantly need the grace of God that flows from the cross. We constantly need that. Now in this passage, Paul tells us by the Holy Spirit, he tells us how God has dealt with the sin nature that's within us. Look at verse 3 of Romans 6. He says, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul told us there how God has dealt with our sin nature. He did... He, 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 he has not put us through rehabilitation. He ha, he, he's not putting us through therapy. No, no. This is what God thought of the sin nature. He put us to death to it. 
He said here in this passage, we are, in verse 3, we are baptized into his death. We're baptized into Jesus. He said again, know you not that as so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. And Paul makes the truth and brings out that wonderful truth that when you and I accepted Jesus, we were baptized into Christ. And when we were baptized into Jesus, we were baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, but I got to deal with that for a moment, baptized into Jesus. So many, when they view this passage and they see the word baptism, they attribute it to water baptism. That when you and I are water baptized, that's when we are, you know, that's when this, 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 this passage applies to our life. But Paul is not talking about water baptism. Because water baptism doesn't crucify your old man. Come on now. Water baptism doesn't make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. That physical water doesn't do anything except make you wet. And water baptism, as as significant as it is, it does not really do anything for us spiritually. It is an outer sign of what has happened on the inside. That's what water baptism is. I'm not demeaning it, but it does not change our life. But what does change our life is being baptized into Jesus. The word baptism here, it means to be immersed. And that's what happened when you and I first got saved. It was not a physical thing. When you first accepted Jesus, you can think about your own experience for a moment. Some of you got saved when you were young. Some of you got saved when you were older in life. But when you got saved, when you got accepted Jesus, you didn't feel something maybe physically coming over you. Maybe you did. But that, that, that immersion into Jesus was not a physical thing. It was a spiritual immersion into Christ. Baptized into Christ. That's where you and I gained our in Christ position. Can you say those words with me today? In Christ. In Christ. One more time. In Christ. Today you are in Christ. Hallelujah. By grace, through faith, you have been baptized into Jesus so that when God views you, he sees you in his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. Enveloped in his son. Get that? Immersed in his son. The word picture, as we use quite often, is that word picture of a sunken ship. That ship is in the bottom of the sea. You can't see any of it. It's immersed in the water. Immersed. And the word baptizo, which it is in the, in the Greek, it also implies that whatever you are baptized in changes your relationship to what you were previously baptized in. Mm. Mm. That what you were baptized in now changes your relationship to what you were baptized in before. 
You see, before Christ, you are immersed, you were, you and I were immersed in sin. We were baptized into the devil. No, not, well, not, no, not, not me, Brother Bob. I wasn't that bad. Oh, yes, you were. Well, I got saved when I was young. Well, it, it doesn't matter. Without Jesus, you are immersed in the devil, immersed in sin, immersed in darkness, immersed in the wrath of God. But with one step of faith, mm, with one step of faith, you stepped out of darkness and you stepped into light. With one step of faith in Jesus and what he did for you in Calvary, you stepped out of sin and stepped into his righteousness. You stepped out of darkness again and stepped into light. You stepped out of the devil and you stepped into Jesus. And now you are immersed in Christ. Above, below, side to side. You are immersed in Jesus. And that's how God sees you. <laughs> you know, Paul in his epistles, approximately about 170 times, he used that expression, in Christ or a variation of it, in Jesus or in him, referring to Christ, in Christ. About 170 times, some say it was his most favorite expression, in Christ, in Christ. This morning, if you believe in Jesus you're, and what he did for you at Calvary, you are in Christ. You've been baptized into him. Mm. I'll share this real quick because sometimes we can, we can lose sight of it. We can forget about the, what we are in and how God views us. We can forget about it sometimes. I'll never forget it years ago. One morning I got up and I got up where we lived at that point, not too far from here. We lived in a, like an apartment and I got up and I would walk around the neighborhood to pray and it was still uh, dark and but I, that particular morning, I just got up and I went walk around the neighborhood and pray and, and uh, before really most people were out. And I was, it was just one of those mornings, we all have them. It was just one of those mornings where I, in my own flesh, I was not wanting to be out there. I was wanting to be in bed. I was tired. And I was, in my own flesh, I'm thinking, you know, I'd, I just... Rather be maybe laying in bed and watching Sports Center or something right now. <gasps> yeah. I just, I'm just not feeling it right now. I'm just not feeling like praising the Lord right now. <laughs> just not feeling it. Come on now, we can be honest with the Lord. <laughs> and I was just in one of those moods. And I, I walked, and I, I'm saying the words, oh, yeah, Lord, I thank you, and Lord, I just come before you. And, and I, I, just, I just stopped, and I said, Lord, you know my heart. And Lord, I am not feeling it. Lord, to be honest with you, I don't feel like praying. 
I don't even feel like praising. And you know, in just a matter of just a, a few moments, the Holy Spirit, and again, this is why I just never forget, the Holy Spirit just began to remind me that I was in Christ Jesus. And it had nothing to do based on how I felt. You see, being in Christ has nothing to do with circumstances. Ladies, it has nothing to do with bad hair day, good hair day. Has nothing, or even guys, has nothing to do with that at all. At all. Has nothing to do with how you feel, again, how it appears. If you've got money, if you don't have money, has nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? That he died on the cross to atone you, to atone for your sins. That he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead. That through his sacrifice you are victorious over sin in salvation, in sanctification, and in your glorification. Do you believe that? Well, you are in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit began to remind me of that. You know what? You're in Christ right now. Do you realize that? Well, Lord, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. You're in Jesus. You know what? As, I began to, as that began to flow through me, you know what started happening? I started to feel it. I started to, I, I, I'm a little too honky for the, mm, I, I'm a little too, I'm a little too honky for that. All right, you have to, for the Lord does that, I'm a little too honky for that, but uh, I just began to feel that, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't have the, mm, but I do have one of these, yeah. And I begin to feel that, yeah, yeah, woo-hoo-hoo, glory, mm. I'm in Jesus, yeah, mm. I'm in Christ, thank you, Lord, I'm in Jesus. And all of a sudden, the praise started flowing, mm. All of a sudden, the, 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 the right petitioning started to flow, Lord, I need you, Lord, I need your wisdom, God, I need your strength today, mm. I be, yeah, I begin to feel it. Praise the Lord. Mm. You, some of you white folk, you may not have a mmm, but you do have one of, yeah! Praise the Lord. You're in Christ. Mm. And I've run out of time here, but Paul said, if you've been in Christ Jesus, you are baptized into his death. That when Christ died, you died. And I want to deal with that for the next few minutes. Look at verse 6 for a moment, if you would. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now, I, I, you and I, through the cross, have become dead to the sin nature. And Paul would emphasize this throughout this whole passage, that you and I... Our old man was crucified with Christ and through identification with his death, excuse me, with, with, by identification with his death, you and I were crucified with Christ. 
so that we died with Jesus. Our old man was crucified with Christ. And by dying with Christ, we became dead to the sin nature that's within us. And primarily, the power of the sin nature ruling over our life. We became dead to it. And Paul would use that word over and over again. Dead. 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 And look at, look at verse 11 for a moment. Uh, Romans 6, 11. Likewise, reckon also you also yourselves to be what? Dead. Indeed, unto the sin nature. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through the cross and through our faith and us living by faith in the finished work of Calvary, we are dead to the power of the sin nature ruling over our life. Now what Paul does not say is that the sin nature itself is non-existent. He does not say that when you and I got saved, that whoop, there it go, there it went. The sin nature is removed now. No, he didn't say that. But he did say this, we are dead to it. It's still there, but as Paul will bring out in the sixth verse, it has been rendered powerless. And our relationship to the sin nature has completely changed. We're no longer in relationship to the sin nature. Why? It's because, again, whatever you are now baptized in changes your relationship to what you were previously baptized in. You and I have been baptized into Jesus. And so we, have, we don't have a relationship with the power of the sin nature anymore. We don't have a relationship with sin anymore. Really, Paul does not bring it all out here in the sixth chapter, but he does, it, he does this in other chapters, that through the death of Christ, we're not only dead to the sin nature, but we are dead to the law as a means of righteousness, Romans 7 and verse 4. We are dead to the world, Galatians 6 and verse 14. We are dead to the influence of the world over our life. The sad reality is that the world and the, and, the, and the lusts and the spirits that are in this world are ruling over so many believers. Ruling. Dominion over them. But through the cross, we are dead to the influence of the world over us. As the church, the world should not be influencing us. We should be influencing the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with righteousness, with the true love of God, we should be influencing the world, not vice versa. So we're dead to the world, we're dead to the law, we're dead to the sin nature. We're even dead, in Galatians chapter five, I think it's verse 24, Paul even says, we are even dead to our own flesh. In this regard, that the flesh our own stinking rotten flesh would not rule over our life. But we, by the Spirit of God, through faith in Christ, would rule over it. Mm. Are you thankful for the cross today? I know you are. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've got to end there today. We'll pick up with this tomorrow. But let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your wonderful work for us at the cross. Lord, we thank you that this is not just, this is not superstition. 
Lord, you didn't give us superstition. You didn't give us just ritual and formal formalities, but you gave us a true living relationship. You gave us your power, your grace, your spirit to reign over our life, over the sin nature that resides in us. So we thank you for that. Lord, help us today and help us every day to live by faith in your finished work. And we love you, Lord. We say it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.